I need a review around the table. Thumbs up, thumbs down on the Mickey Churro waffles. We're just going to pass the mic. Hot take. This is Sam. They were phenomenal. That's probably one of the top two or three best things I've ever eaten on a Disney cruise. Hot take. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. Yeah, no. Um, For me, I have to give it like a three of 10. Forgive her, everyone. Her take is on the equivalent of Josh Wilson's black truffle per set take. That being said, 11 out of 10 for the Mickey Churro Waffle. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by my path unwinding travel. And Sam, it's a super-sized episode today. It might be an XXL and Disney sizing. I'm not sure, but it's a big one. It is, and it's super-sized because we're going to talk about our trip in general, and we're also going to talk with some friends that are sitting here in our stateroom on the beautiful Disney Wish. The title of this episode should be Dr. Feelgood because we are surrounded by a motley crew today of cruising friends. That's right. We have the infamous, now infamous, DCL Duo Jr. You know them as that. We know them as Willie and Rebecca, two friends of ours that are practically family. Probably the major reason why we're even in Orlando right now and not back home in Seattle where the temperatures are much more sane. So got to start by welcoming Willie and Rebecca to the show. Hello. Hey, everyone. Happy to be back. But we're also joined by a couple who you will be familiar with from our Maiden Voyage episode, which also featured Willie and Rebecca, but also Tracy and Michael, who we have dubbed the DCL Duo Senior. And so we want to welcome Tracy and Michael to the show. Thanks, Brian. And hello, everyone. And we are having a great time at sea. All right. So, Sam, I think we got to start maybe at the reason we were all here to begin with, which was the nuptials of young William and Rebecca earlier this week. I guess really last week now. They've been married for five whole days at this point on the cruise. I'm going to get your outsider's reaction before we get their insider's perspective. What do you think of a Disney wedding, our first Disney wedding that we've been to? Yeah, I mean, I had an insider's view since I was part of the bridal party. It was a beautiful wedding with a beautiful bride, a handsome groom, some lovely vows, at the Corpus Christi Church in celebration, followed by a yummy, I know it was dubbed a brunch, but I would call it more of a lunch at the Boardwalk Hotel in one of the beautiful banquet rooms and uh, a pretty good DJ and some fun dancing. And then uh, I know there were some fun times had at Epcot by the bride and groom and some of their family, uh, which I think both of them were paying for the next morning. Let's just put it that way. I don't think Willie and Rebecca want us to call it lunch. That comes with a different price tag. (laughs) And what happens in Epcot Food and Wine stays at Epcot Food and Wine. I'll pass the mic over to to Tracy and Michael to uh, give their thoughts on the the wedding. I the food was fantastic by the way. You didn't even mention what we ate. Che- cheeseburger, egg rolls or spring rolls, bacon wrapped scallops, caprese sticks. Uh lovely. I had a lovely bloody mary that had a really nice like meat cheese thing going on on top. That was delicious. We had some fantastic mac and cheese for the main event. Yeah, that was really good with some pulled pork. That's right. Ch- oh, yes. Chicken parm that rivaled Trattoria's. Not quite up to Willie's Trattoria standards, but close. But close. Fabulous cake. Mickey waffles. French toast. Churros. Yeah, everyone's naming off all their favorite foods. Lots of dancing. Lots of fun. But Tracy, what did you think of the Disney wedding? Well, I knew it was going to be beautiful, but literally tears in my eyes during the wedding, for sure. Before Rebecca even came down the aisle, all eyes were on Willie to see how long he'd last before the tears started. 
So that was that was just a special moment to see her walking down the aisle towards him and knowing how much they love each other. So it was beautiful. Her dress was on point. It was beautiful. It was sparkly. It was perfection. Uh, and Willie's shoes. I'm a little jealous. Not gonna lie. Uh, the uh, the the Nike tennis shoes were really good too. So the wedding was beautiful. The reception was fabulous. We had a little appetizer portion. Um, I'm going to put a plug in for the mimosas. I had the best pomegranate mimosas I've ever had. They were delicious. The food was great. The cheeseburger spring rolls are my favorite. So that was really awesome. And the Gouda mac and cheese was, I can't even, like seriously. We had a blast. The cake was delicious. Um, We did some serious dancing on the dance floor, right? We got some some moves in and uh, had a great time. Disney does know how to do it right. And while while it was their day, Willie and Rebecca made made sure everyone else had a fabulous time as well. All the food we've mentioned, it wasn't provided, well, it was provided by Disney, but it was chosen by Willie and Rebecca. They chose their favorites. They chose what they, they knew would be favorites of the guests there. So I I hope they had half as good a time as we did, which I'm I'm sure they'll say they they did because the the time we had was was fabulous from beginning to end from the church ceremony to the the reception later on, the food, the company, meeting the families, everything was great. All right, well I think it's time to get the uh, bride and groom perspective here. I'm going to start with Willie because I think everyone always wants to know first looks Willie. Those are the emotional moments at the wedding, that first look. What did you think of the first look and uh, how'd you do throughout the ceremony? Where was your mind? So the first look, the way that church is, I got a little bit of a sneak peek. She walked by the windows and so it was like a quick glance, but that was kind of like a side profile. And then the doors open and I think I was already tearing up. So I was in the quivering phase as I would call it. But when the doors open, they all, they all just, they all just started coming out. I was prepared. I knew better. And so each of my groomsmen had a role. Obviously, my best man had the rings. One of our groomsmen led us in prayer at the end of the ceremony. And then the other two had tissues ready to go for me. So it was a quick and early turn to the, to the tissue boys to grab some, some, some much needed tissues. Uh, and I pretty much cried on and off throughout the rest of the ceremony. There were some emotional parts we honored her late grandfather and my late grandmother. So there were times where I would get it together and then we would, you know, start crying again. But um, for the most part, happy, joyful tears. I was so excited to see her walk down the aisle. All right, Rebecca, you didn't take a first look and bolt behind you for the door. So uh, I think we know you made it down the aisle. What was your favorite moment from the ceremony? Um, my favorite moment was hearing his vows to me. So the way that a Catholic church wedding usually goes is they have very specific vows in order to honor the sacrament of a Catholic wedding. Um, And we requested that we would be able to still share some personal written vows to each other that were simple, sweet, short to the point, but still held a lot of emotion. And there's honestly just nothing like hearing the person that you love the most describe why they love you. Um, I don't think I will ever get over the moment of just looking into his eyes and seeing the emotion pour out of not only his words, but him holding my hands during the entire time and just ensuring that I was okay and that we were happy. And hearing someone say that their favorite things are about you are the things that you fear the most. So hearing that your insecurities are the things that make you shine. Um, so Getting to hear his vows and why I'm just so amazing is I will never forget. 
And they both managed to work little Disney references into their vows, which were caught by, I think, most in the church, which was great. Um, I want to fast forward to the reception. I'm going to get Michael's question queued up here, which is, did you all have as good a time as we had? Let's start with Rebecca. In order of my favorite parts of the entire wedding day, unfortunately, the reception comes at the very end. Like I said, the emotion that was felt throughout the church was was so powerful that it'll never be unmatched. And then, like was previously mentioned and foreshadowed, how we ended Epcot was better left unsaid. Um, but we had an amazing time. Um, the reception, we got to enjoy the food before everyone else. And what's so amazing about Disney is after they shuttle us off into literally a coat closet, they brought us plates of the pre-reception foods that we weren't able to enjoy. So I chowed down at least four or five of the cheeseburger spring rolls, all of the bacon wrapped scallops and the mozzarella from the Caprese because I don't eat tomatoes. So that was the most amazing thing. Um, and we got a sneak peek of the reception before it was filled with people getting to see all the table cards named after our favorite Disney resorts, getting to see the centerpieces, the memorial table, the guest book set up, just all these personal touches that we spent over a year putting into place finally come to fruition. So the reception for us was really the biggest part of the party, getting to see people that I haven't seen in months, um, for him, years. And it's it all came together really beautifully after a very long time of planning. Willie, what about you? How you? Did you like these receptions? you have fun? I agree with Rebecca on the order of the events and, and where the most phones have, but I had more fun at the reception than I thought I would have just based off the wedding we attended in 2019, seeing how stressful it was for the bride and groom. I will give a tremendous shout out to the Disney Fairytale Weddings Day of team. We had two coordinators that day that, you know, basically I would say insulated us from additional stress. The reception is always going to be a stressful time for the bride and groom because you're saying hi to everyone that can't happen at the church. And so you're doing a lot of, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies, as some people would say. That's that's just the way receptions work. So there there is no way around that. But there are ways to to minimize that stress and kind of insulate some of it. And I think that's what the two day of coordinators did best is they kept us, uh, I would guess, I would say on schedule in the sense that we were able to eat when we needed to eat before it got too hectic for us, then allow some of the craziness to ensue, but then, you know, reel us back in when we needed to move on to another part of the reception, like the cake cutting. So everything was very well scheduled and, and coordinated. And so we never felt ourselves being pulled too much in one direction. So I think they did a great job of insulating us from from all that, which helped make that that specific part of the wedding day still very special because it was the part we spent so much time on and so much thought on because we we knew that for most of our guests, I would say 99% of our guests will never attend a Disney wedding again. And so we had, you know, a lot of a lot of pressure or, or just big shoes to fill in general. And so we wanted to make sure that the show element and the, the wow factor was absolutely there. And so we did spend a lot of time thinking about our guests and the overall experience. And so I will say from that part, it was, it was a 10 out of 10 and just giving the, the guests the, the experience that we had hoped we could give them. Well, I want to rewind a little bit uh, because we did experience a couple of unique things on our parks trip. We are not a parks show, so we don't cover the parks in depth, nor do we try to. For that, we look to the good guys over at Rope Drop Radio, Derek and Doug. Uh, but we did experience a few new things, uh, one of those being Moonlight Magic. We experienced our first DVC Moonlight Magic. Uh, Tracy and Michael, myself and Nathan went as it was the night of the rehearsal dinner for the wedding. So Sam was otherwise indisposed, as were Willie and Rebecca, of course. Uh, but we made it over to Moonlight Magic after a brief 
brief monsoon that uh, was not so brief. Uh, we managed to get into the park, get some ponchos, and head our way to Satuli Canteen and a break in the rain and get some food. That was the not-so-glamorous portion of Moonlight Magic. Uh, I should back up and say, for those who don't know, Moonlight Magic is a free event that Disney offers at different parks, depending on different times of year and what's going on, but it's a free event for Disney Vacation Club members. Uh, there's some qualifications and asterisks there that I, I won't get into. It all depends on if you're like a blue card benefits member or a white card member, or resale, all that sort of stuff. But we have a direct membership through Disney for at least one of our properties. So we got tickets to Moonlight Magic. Uh, you get an early access to the park at six for a party that starts at eight. These times will vary depending on where you are and what the event is. And then that event ran until 11 o'clock, I think that night. Uh, as we entered the park, we scanned in and they gave us three snack tickets. And those tickets entitled us to a snack from any of the kind of venues that were open. All of them had something that would qualify as a snack. We ended up eating at Satuli Canteen for dinner. So uh, Nathan and I at least walked out with three, uh, six snack tickets, three per piece. Uh, should have given them to someone on the way out and just didn't even think about it. Uh, we ended up having the, the Mickey bars and uh, Mickey ice cream sandwiches and stuff like that are free. They don't require a snack ticket. Gone are the days of being able to bring a backpack in and load it up with uh, cans of soda and take them home. Uh, that's what the snack tickets are meant to regulate. And then the park is accessible only to DVC members with Moonlight Magic tickets starting at 8. They had a couple of the marquee attractions open, notably Everest and Pandora or Flight of Passage, I should say. And then they have you know, like character meet and greets around the park and just some fun things going on around the park, that sort of thing. I thought it was overall pretty low attendance, probably primarily driven by the monsoon we experienced at the beginning of the evening. Everest was closed the beginning part of the evening as they were trying to get it back online after the rain. Thankfully, Flight of Passage was not. We managed to walk on to Flight of Passage uh, after having some dinner at Satuli Canteen, which was really great. Uh, got to see the whole ride queue, but didn't have to wait in line for very long. But Tracy, Michael, was this your first Moonlight Magic event? And what did you think overall? No, it was not our first. It was our first in one of the main parks. We did one a few years ago, I believe at Typhoon Lagoon, it, so it was at one of the, the water parks. Most memorable for this one, is, as Brian said, we, we pulled into park and then eventually there there was the, the monsoon that wasn't supposed to be there. In fact, we we parked, there There was just a slight drizzle, we're like, okay, we can walk, it's, it's ending. We got to just before the security checkpoint. And it, it let loose. Fortunately, we, we had some nice security guards that let us hang out at the, the security checkpoint for a while. And what I'll say for Nathan, we, we sat there. He and I both pulled up different weather apps. His was saying there'd be rain for about an hour. The one I pulled up kept saying rain ending in one minute, four minutes, seven minutes. I think at the end it said it, it rained for another minute for at least 30 minutes while we were standing there. If you need a weather app, I'd suggest you ask Nathan for, for a suggestion on what to use. Then we, we did get into the parks, as we said. We, we, it was still, still raining. We weren't sure. Uh, as you can probably tell, the storm decided to stall right over us for, for a while. We, we made it in. We got some food, sat for a while. And then, then we ventured out to, to Flight of Passage, which three three of the four of us there enjoyed. It's one of my favorite rides at, at Disney, so I enjoyed that. And then then we made our way over to, to Everest, and and overall the the evening after after the monsoon after Flights of Passage was was dry. So we were were fortunate there, but 
overall good time a few things to to do i mean it's a it's a good good benefit that the dvc offers us to to do occasionally and we're fortunate to have been able to take advantage of a couple of them i guess for me after we did the typhoon lagoon h2o night a couple years ago. Um, it was a little bit of a disappointment to me. There weren't a lot of rides that were open. Cali River Rapids, however, we had been in a monsoon already, so nobody wanted to get any more wet than we already were. And I did do Everest, but I'm not a flight of passage kind of girl. It makes me seasick. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed in the amount of things we could do. And of course, if you've ever been to Animal Kingdom in the evening, it gets dark pretty early and they don't have a ton of lights. So you can't really see like I didn't see a character the whole time we were there. If they had character meet and greets, we missed it. Um, I'm, I'm always a big character person. So I would have gotten my picture taken while they were doing Flights of Passage. But the snacks, I got a pretzel and a, a cheese cup while they were riding Flight of Passage. It was okay. It wasn't a Mickey pretzel, but it was just a pretzel. It wasn't anything special. So overall, I would say it was it was fine. But I, you know, am I glad that we didn't pay for it? Absolutely. You know, it's a great idea in theory. It would have been better if they'd had like I would have totally been in on a a safari night safari. I'd have been all in on that. That wasn't available. And again, it was for me, it was a little bit difficult to navigate in the dark and looking for like places to eat snacks. And of course, we'd just eaten dinner. So who needed a snack? So but overall, I mean, I think it's a great benefit. And like I said, we didn't pay for it. it it's a, a benefit of DVC. So it's all good. Yeah, I'll echo the one thing that I was disappointed by was there was zero merch available to purchase at the event. And so uh, couldn't even get a Moonlight Magic t-shirt. Your option was to order it on Shop Disney and have it delivered, which if you didn't do that before the night, you couldn't wear it that night. So um, so yeah, I just thought it was interesting. They didn't have like any merchandise anywhere for Moonlight Magic. I'd normally expect pins, t-shirts, a Tervis, the kind of the standard complement of Disney merchandise, uh, but nothing there. Uh, a couple of other fun things we did that were unique this trip, uh, just really minor, maybe I'll, I'll boil it down to sort of my three my <laughs> three things. One is we very much approached the trip as DVC owners this time. So we went into the parks very early in the morning, hit marquee attractions, got out by 11 a.m. noon at the latest, and we're just by the pool at the Riviera most of the time, uh, except for the day that we went to Typhoon Lagoon uh, to cool off. So I really love that st strategy in August. I think I saw something recently that described August at Disney as being on the surface of the sun, rubbed down in baby oil and wrapped in tinfoil. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that description, especially for us specific Northwesterners who melt in this kind of weather. Um, we were also encouraged, we ate at Topolino's one evening and uh, Sam has uh, befriended one of the managers up there and she encouraged us to come back to try this brand new dessert that had come to Topolino's that was for Sleeping Beauty or themed after Sleeping Beauty. So the dessert comes out and it's supposed to be kind of like Sleeping Beauty's dress and it's blue-ish hued. And then they spray some sort of citrus uh, thing on this blue hue and it's supposed to turn from blue to pink. I think she sprayed it a bunch of times and stepped away thinking we, we would be totally wowed by the transformation. And I think we were all, you know, squinting at it and being like, I think I see some like maybe streaks of pink in there. And that's when the, the server came over, sprayed it a couple more times and then stood back and you know we were filming it. And nothing was really happening. And, and then she sort of, well, I mean, sometimes it's more of a purple than a blue. And so anyway, if you see this thing out there or people raving about this thing, I'd sure love to see a video where it actually effect actually works better than what we saw. Uh, I'd say overall, the dessert was just okay. We were trying to see the effect of it and it, we did not see it. So, but that is a new dessert at Topolino's. 
right now. Um, the other thing that uh, that I'll just say real fast is we had an opportunity to test out real time Disney transportation from a hotel resort to the port and our own rental car. Tracy and Michael took Disney transportation from their resort hotel to the port, which is, by the way, now operated by Academy. It's no longer operated by Mears. So the contract has gone to a new bus line service. And then we drove our car. And I think we left at roughly about the same time. And Tracy and Michael, they handily beat us to the port. But we were right up on them in the bus uh, before we had to get off to go to Walgreens, pick up some stuff for the entire crowd. So uh, I th- I'm not sure who would have actually won, but I will say this. I've heard really negative things about resort transportation through Disney to the cruise line because of how late it can get you there and how late the pickups can be. And it certainly seems like at least in this case, Tracy and Michael had an early pickup and a pretty strong poor arrival time because uh, they got to the port around 1030 in the morning, which is what we were aiming for. We ended up getting there at 1045 in the morning. And I will say no line to get into parking, dropped luggage immediately, were parked and in the terminal, probably the entire thing took us 10 minutes max. uh, And then check in and into the terminal and sit down took us another 10 minutes. Uh, So it was a very, very, very smooth uh, embarkation process at Port Canaveral for this first cruise. So we obviously sailed on the wish out of Port Canaveral, three night, four night, back to back, Nassau, Castaway Key on both itineraries. Uh, We started with the three-night cruise. Uh, We'll give a shout out to some friends who joined us on that cruise as well. Chris and Emily, uh, Emily's father, Sean, and her brother, Brendan, and of course, their son, Will, who uh, loves playing with Nathan, and Nathan loves playing with him, so it made for a really enjoyable uh, first three nights because Nathan had a friend on board. We always love sailing with them, so it was a lot of fun, Uh, but really smooth embarkation process to get on the ship. Uh, Tracy, Michael, I want to pause and see if you had any reactions to the port transportation uh, experience that you had. Any any downsides or was it all upside? No, we actually had a really, it was really smooth. We knew the day before that they wanted us to be meet in the lounge at the boardwalk at 8.45 for a 9.15 leaving time. Um, they picked up our luggage about 10 minutes till 8 uh, in the morning. So we didn't have to deal with our luggage, which was awesome. Yeah, they picked it up from our room. Uh, and so we didn't have to deal with that at all. Uh, we met in the lounge at about 8.45. I made a quick run to uh, Willie and Rebecca's room to drop off um, some much-needed electrolytes <laughs> from from the non-discussed Epcot situation uh, and ran back to the lounge. They walked us out to the bus. They checked to make sure we had ID, got us on the bus. We took off and we beat Brian and Sam to the board. So everything was great. I mean, they were super nice and it was very quiet and that was that was it. And we were going to handily beat them no matter what, because on the bus, we didn't have to go through parking. So we we were going to beat them. Our luggage was already dropped off. The bus stopped right in front and we were ushered right into the terminal. We've been talking about this as if it's a race because it was uh, the last people to the port owed a round of drinks to the uh, the remainder. And so... Uh, when we uh, just slid into second place, we were feeling pretty good. Uh, but uh, we also know that Willie and Rebecca were a bit handicapped by the Epcot night. So, um, so you know, is what it is. Uh, anyway, uh, we got on board. We skipped our usual concierge lunch uh, in favor of hanging out with some friends, our friends for lunch. Although there was some snafus in communication around where people were. But we ended up all meeting up on board. Got a nice bottle of Moe Ice, one of my favorite ways to start a Disney cruise, uh, to share with everyone. Our rooms, because we are sailing concierge. This time it's our first experience uh, in a one bedroom concierge uh, on deck 12 with the concierge lounge. 
uh, just down the hall. Fabulous. As always, our luggage was like, I feel like our luggage showed up way early. Room was ready. Uh, everything was was wonderful. Um, I did. So for those of you who don't know, Disney has now announced that they are allowing pre-orders of the floating speakers that they have. So they have the, depending on your sailing, the 25th anniversary or a regular Disney Cruise Line speaker available through online amenity ordering. I think it's for cruises up through October right now. So if you're trying to order for a cruise past October, you're gonna have to wait a little bit. Supplies are extremely limited from what we're hearing on board. You cannot buy the speakers on board directly any longer through guest services. They must be pre-ordered in advance so that they have the stock and everything right uh, for delivery on board. I know this because I tried to order a second one while we were on board and was told that that just isn't something that they are allowing currently. Uh, So that was arrived in our room. uh, Just fantastic. Did a little pool deck food to start. Donald's Cantina, always a good start to a cruise. Tracy did leave a little surprise for Willie and Rebecca in and around their room. She decorated uh, Willie and Rebecca's room for the wedding, which I know they super appreciated. Tracy, I'm still, how did you get into the room? So I'm, I may, DCL, close your ears. I may or may not have slid under the rope and gone to their room. And I was going to put, I had two banners, one that said Mr. and Mrs. and one that said just married. And I was going to put them both above the door, except that one was giant. I made it way too big. And so it would not work. They would have had to have like high jumped over it to get into their room. So it just so happened that apparently when they clean the rooms, they leave all of the doors in the hallway open. Um, so their room may or may not have been open and unlocked. And so I may or may not have snuck into their room, put the magnets on the wall, because if you don't know, the the walls and the doors are all magnetic. And Sam brought me these super heavy duty magnets, and I may or may not have snuck into their room and put the banner on their wall. Maybe. I mean, it's a good thing Tracy didn't carry through with her original idea, which was to hide under the bed until later that night and jump out and surprise them. Thankfully, the the, ba- the banners suffice. The banners suffice. I do need to rewind because actually, as I forgot, Sam and I experienced quite the fun boarding process this time around. Uh, so we made it all the way through check-in. Everything was fine. Dropped off our luggage. We were waiting in the concierge lounge in the terminal to board. And we were the first family, I think, that was going to get tapped onto the boat. And when they tapped my magic band, it came up red. And uh, so the then they nice gentleman came over and asked us to come to the side with him. And then we were informed that we needed to accompany him down to the luggage area uh, because one of our bags had been flagged and needed to be opened. Uh, and so we walked down to the area where you normally pick up your luggage on the last day. Uh, and there were like two bags there. One was ours. One was somebody else's and several security guards. <laughs> and I will say this. I think we were being treated like criminals up until the point where we weren't. And so it turned out we had packed all of our Star Wars uh, Galactic Star Cruiser souvenirs in one suitcase that we knew we were not going to open. But we're having it brought on the ship because I didn't want it to sit in the car in Port Canaveral for a week, especially in the temperatures that we've been seeing lately. And so the Disney Cruise Line staff member was conversing with the uh, sheriff's department officials who were there uh, showing them things on his screen. And finally, the sheriff's department person, I think, just said, can you show them what's on the screen? And so they showed it to us. Uh, he was initially pointing to like a goblet that we had bought on the Galactic Star Cruiser that looks a lot like glasses they have in Hyperspace Lounge. Uh, and then there were they were pointing to some other things. And so we just said, let's just open the suitcase. Like you can dig through it. It's all Disney merchandise. Uh, and it turned out that our Sabak chips, our souvenir Sabak chips had been the thing to set it off. So they 
it looked like three metal tubes inside of a suitcase. So they did not like that. Anyway, at that point in time, the sheriff's department guys, I think, rolled their eyes and walked away and the Disney Cruise Line person became exceedingly apologetic for the experience and got us back on the boat. So good reminder, always check that banned items list, even though none of our items were banned and just, you know, be prepared for uh, the little hiccups that can happen with travel uh, these days. Yeah, I will say I was like terrified for just a moment because it was like there were like two sheriff's deputies there from whatever county uh, Port Canaveral is in. And I was like, what could somebody have put into our bags? Like I, I, because I could not think of anything that would have been flagged. And then when they showed us bag x-ray and it was clearly our, our star cruiser bag, cause it was before the bag was opened. It was like, I don't even know what that is. When I was thinking this, when it was the Sabak chips, the, the goblet we both recognized on the x-ray were like, oh yeah, that's a glass. It's a souvenir glass from the star cruiser. But the Sabak chips, I was like, there were these round things, the cylindrical things. I'm like, I have no idea. But there were metal Sabak chips, like poker chips is really the way, best way to describe it. But for the game Sabak that they play in the Star Wars universe. So really strange, kind of frightening experience. Thankfully, it all ended well. And they didn't confiscate our Sabak chips. They were allowed to come on board. They just needed to know what they, in fact, were. Very odd. For those rousing games of Sabak that we were leading in the concierge lounge at night to pay for this stunning cruise that we're on, yes. Uh, so that, together with having to cancel our credit card the day of boarding, that was a lot of fun as well. So anyway, we made it on board just fine. We had a great first day and first night on the cruise. We had Arendelle for dinner, and then the highlight was when we uh, did an adult late-night activity of Match Your Mate. Yes, we have been looking forward to this Match Your Mate in particular because it was the first time as newlyweds. And for those who have never seen the game, they essentially pick three couples from the crowd, and they start with the infamous couple number one, which is usually... Depending on your cruise and the host specifically, they'll bill it and ask for newlyweds on a honeymoon or the shortest time married or even couples that are in the honeymoon phase but might not necessarily be married. Essentially, they're looking for the youngest couples in the room. Couple number three is where they go to next and they ask for the oldest couple in the room. So the longest tenured, longest married couples. And then couple number two is a wild card couple anywhere in between couples number one and three. And they essentially leave that up to the audience's pick and on our cruise this time around, they did a booty shaking contest. The host asked for all couples that were wanting to be number two to come in and perform a booty shaking contest on stage. And then it was a classic crowd's favorite crowd cheers for their favorite couple. And that's how couple number two was selected. And so the game then starts with, in our case, they had all the men leave the stage and they took us outside of the Luna venue down the hallway so that we could not hear inside. The ladies stayed in the room. They were asked three questions, and at the completion of those three questions, the men were brought back in, and essentially the men had to match their mates' answers on those three questions. Then that round repeated, but this time the ladies left the room, the men were asked three questions, the ladies returned, they had to match the men's answers. And so at the end of, the ra- at the end of two rounds, there are six total points up for grabs, and then a winner is crowned, and the winners do get a bottle of Prosecco to take back with them. The reason this was our the one we had been looking to the most is because while we've played a couple times, this was our first time as newlyweds, not even 48 hours as as husband and wife. And so we did get to play and we had a blast. We got to finally play Match Your Mate as husband and wife, which was new to us. And I won't spoil the result. The result is left for me. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. We have played this game before, mostly when they didn't have a newlywed couple um, and we explained that, you know, our wedding is is within a year. So we're, we're right there and they allowed us to play. But this this version, like my husband, ooh, that's awesome, 
once said is that we were actually newlyweds this time. So less than 48 hours of being married, getting to play together. And we had a perfect six out of six answers matched. I mean, these questions were relatively simple, I will say. For us, these are things that we didn't even have to think about. There were answers that were just very quick. I will say couple number two took away some of our credit by saying, oh, it's so recent. Um, but I mean, we've been together for about four years at this point and the best four years of our lives finally getting to celebrate it here on the Disney Wish with our best friends and a free bottle of Prosecco. You can never go wrong. All right. So that brings us to day two which was, I'll call it a pseudo-sea day because the ship stopped at Nassau, but most of us had planned to not get off the ship, although a couple of the group did get off the ship. I'll let them talk about that in just a second. But our day started off with Brian and I and Nathan having uh, just really some coffee. Of course, Nathan had cereal for breakfast, and then I went for a massage. They kind of hung out. I think Brian at one point hit the rainforest room that day as well, and we had a wonderful Apollo brunch in the private room, which is called the Apollo Room. We were actually 12 adults this uh, for this first cruise. We had two children as well, but of course, they don't get to go to Apollo brunch with us. It was a beautiful brunch in the private room. Uh, the food was excellent. I have to give a special shout out to our server, even from Croatia, was fantastic. Um, following lunch, uh, a couple of folks got off and we also then had a mixology class. So I'll hand off the mic to Brian to talk about getting off the ship in Nassau. And then we'll come back to uh, Tracy and Michael to talk about mixology. Yes. So I committed the cardinal sin of getting off the boat in Nassau. Uh, but I wanted to see the new port terminal. And uh, I will say it was a much nicer experience this time than what I've experienced in the past. I think that was a combination of a couple things. One is the Disney Wish was the only ship in port in Nassau, which is a super rare occurrence, I think, to have only one ship in port at NASA. And then the second thing was we got off later in the day, in the early afternoon after brunch. Uh, and basically, myself, Michael, and our friend Chris, we walked down to Senior Frogs, had a drink, and then walked back up the main street. Uh, I was trying to find a, an SD card for a camera I had brought and forgotten the cards at home. Uh, did did not find one, totally struck out. But I, it did not feel like a bunch of aggressive vendors. The new port facility is really nice. They have some shops, some of which were open, some of which weren't yet. Um, so the new port facility seemed really nice. It was a light day in Nassau, so not a lot of aggressive vendors. Uh, I would probably get off again at some point in the future, but it's still kind of a stop that I've experienced enough that I don't feel the urge to get off the ship. And it's just basically a sea day for me. Uh, Michael, I don't know. You were, you were off with us in Nassau. What did you think of the new port and uh, kind of the town? Yeah, from what I understand, the the new port had opened just a, a few weeks ago. It's very colorful in in the shops, lots of different things, souvenirs to cigars, whatever you may want. And as Brian said, there there were several things not not quite open yet, but but enough of it was. There was also at the at the end there's an amphitheater, uh, so there there was some live live music going on there. And in the, the main part of the terminal, there's a um, museum for the Bahamian culture. So uh, we didn't get to go in, but that's, that's definitely something to, to check out. So definitely, as, as Ryan said, much, much nicer than it has been in the past, the, the whole port experience. And, and I, I agree there wasn't as uh, aggressive a vendor as trying to, to pull you into things. We also did hit the pool deck that afternoon. Uh, I spent a little time on the family pool deck with Nathan while the rest of the group spent most of their time in the adult pool area where I got to hang out for part of the time. 
And I, that was quite relaxing. It was, you know, it wasn't too crowded because a lot of folks were off in NASA, of course. But then we hit up a mixology class. Tracy, why don't you tell us what you thought of mixology? Mixology was so good that I can't even remember the names of all the drinks. So I might need a little bit of help on this one. We had mixology. It was in Nightingale's. And Fred was our uh, leader, and he does an amazing job of explaining all the things about the drinks, why things go together, why things don't go together, why certain glasses are used. It's just, it's very, any of these classes that you can take on the Disney ships are so educational. Um, we, I always learn something new, even if I've done mixology a million times, which I probably haven't done a million, but I've probably done, I don't know, 16 of them or something like that. Um, so we had um, a number of really delightful drinks, one of which was Becca's favorite, the Garden Mule. She'll have to tell you what was in it because I don't remember again. Um, but we had five drinks, if I remember correctly, because there was the peanut butter and jelly shot at the end. Um, so there was definitely uh, something for everybody. We all enjoyed our drinks, enjoyed the education. And I'll let Becca explain the Garden Mule. So this was actually our first time, mine and my husband's actually doing a tasting. So we've taken nine cruises together with the with the addition of these two on the back-to-back on the wish. So it was wonderful because you got to taste a lot of the major liquor and spirits. So we got to taste tequila, vodka, rum, a bunch of different options. Most were sweet. Some had bitter endings, but definitely good to just get an idea of, like Tracy said, why certain glasses are used, what alcohols need to be aired versus sealed, and just things that you don't think about when you're drinking a vodka cranberry. So mixology was definitely interesting, and I can see us doing it again with friends or with family aboard the ship. So the mixology was actually in Nightingale's very close by is the bayou. We spent a little bit of time at the bayou before um, heading over to Mickey's Pirates in the Caribbean deck party. I want to ask Brian what he thought about the bayou smoked old fashioned because he had done the old fashioned tasting with Michael and Chris on the first night, actually, in Hook's Barbary. And he's talked about that on the show previously. But the bayou has its own smoked old fashioned that I assume is different. Brian, what would you uh, say about the two in comparison? So actually, I didn't get a chance to tell you that we did the old-fashioned tasting Michael, Chris, and I in Hook's Barbary on this cruise. I had not done it before, actually. Uh, I think we had Michael on who had uh, talked about it a little bit from a prior cruise. We did it on night one. It's offered late in the evening on night one. I think it was around 9.30 because I think we had an 8.15 dinner and we rushed the the entree service in order to get out in time to make it to Hooks for the old-fashioned tasting. Uh, Hooks, once again, is a very small venue, so it's only open to six people at a time to do the old-fashioned tasting. Bartender there does a fabulous job mixing up a bunch of different old fashions from like a classic old-fashioned to new twists on the old-fashioned that you know have bases of cognac. And he said you could basically make an old-fashioned with any liquor, uh, but we had four old-fashions that evening and they were all fantastic. Hooks is known for its smoked old-fashioned when it converts over to making those around five o'clock in the evening on board the Wish. Uh, it was one of the first ships in the fleet to have the smoked old-fashioned. Now that has proliferated throughout the fleet in different bars and restaurants. I'd say that each bar on the ship seems to have its own 
old fashioned and we have drank several of them on this cruise. So Nightingale's has something called the crazy old fashioned that I thought was pretty good. I honestly can't, as I sit here today, remember what the liquor base was for that old fashioned. Um, They have a brew old fashioned available in the Cove Cafe. And I think at least one of the other coffee bars on board that involves cold brew coffee and uh, they mix it together with bourbon. I think it was Old Forester Statesman bourbon and some other things to make an old fashioned uh, with it that has a coffee flavor. And then in the bayou, they have a smoked old fashioned, but instead of using an under the glass smoker, they actually put it in a box and smoke the old fashioned in the box. And when the lid opens, like all of the smoke comes out and you have your old fashioned. I honestly, is I don't know that I could critique each old fashioned on the ship. They're all delicious. They're all just different. Uh, so it's not that you know one is a direct comparator to the other. They're all trying to use different base liquors and try different things uh, with the old fashioned. So they're all delicious. I highly recommend trying to taste all the old fashions around the ship. Uh, they're they're very very good. So following that, we did head up to the deck to watch some of the Mickey's Pirates in the Caribbean deck party, which is basically a show with the Fab Five and Captain Hook where Captain Hook essentially takes over the ship and the entire ship basically has to fight Captain Hook by doing some dance moves in order to to regain control of the ship. It's quite cute. It's only about a half hour, maybe 45 minutes long. It's basically between the two dinner seatings. So at 7.30 on the deck is when it starts. Um, But of course, the star of the night is always the later deck party, which I'll talk about in a second. We had dinner that night at 1923. We're in the second seating of dinner. So that was an 815 dinner. That's what it typically is on all the ships, the second seating. I would say highlights for all of us were probably the filet mignon. It's one of the best dishes in main dining on board. Um, There's also some great appetizers. I would say the burrata is another standout for 1923. And then, of course, uh, last but certainly not least was the Pirate Rockin' Parlay Party. We've talked about this pirate party previously on the show. Of course, it it started with the maiden voyage of the wish. It is like 80s hairband music, but pirate themed. It's really fun. There's a story that goes along with it. Captain Jack Sparrow shows up as well. Um, And of course, along with the music and then, of course, the fireworks that follow it, if you're wearing a Disney Band Plus it starts to light up and vibrate throughout the show. It also lit up and vibrated during the Mickey's Pirate Deck Party, but not quite as much as it does during the later one. So that starts at about 10.15 at night. And then you get you get a short fireworks show following it. I mean, I think it's a fantastic fireworks show. And then, of course, we were at the beautiful island of Castaway Key. The next morning, after grabbing a quick breakfast, we hopped off of the ship and Tracy and I headed to do parasailing, which is something I have never done before. Yes, the curse continued for Brian this trip. So parasailing actually happened. But as we were in our stateroom that morning, uh, Sam was pretty adamant that only one of us had booked parasailing. And so I decided that she should give it a try uh, because I was so cursed and because I had forgotten the memory card for the camera, which is the only reason I was going up was to get the footage that I wanted off of parasailing. So Sam went down and quickly found out that, no, we both had tickets. But by that point, I was in the concierge lounge uh, waiting to debark the ship and was not getting text messages. And so luckily, Tracy stepped in to save us and Brian yet again was unable to parasail on Castaway Key. So Tracy, what'd you think of parasailing? 
It was phenomenal. I was so glad that I got the opportunity to do it. Um, I've done pair selling in the past here at Castaway Key and also um, in Hawaii, but hadn't done it in several years and um, was really glad that I got to go up with Sam and, and let her see it for the first time. And, and it's, it's the most peaceful place on the planet when you get off that boat deck. Um, we were probably up between five and 10 minutes. Great views of the water. You could see um, the actual parachute shadow in the ocean. Uh, you, we obviously had a phenomenal view of the Disney Wish. Uh, we attempted to take pictures, and I'm sure you will see some of them um, on some of the DCL Duo uh, social media posts. Uh, we managed to, we couldn't actually, when you're up there, you can't actually see what's on the screen on your phone because of the sunlight. And so we just snapped everything we could possibly snap and hope for the best. And we did get some really good pictures and some videos. So I, I'll be curious to hear what Sam tells you about her first time of parasailing. It was awesome. Honestly, it was so fun. It was peaceful. Tracy and I got to sit side by side. Everyone actually got to sit side by side on parasailing. But spoiler alert, I have now parasailed twice in, in different sort of configurations. But we were side by side on, on the sail, I guess is what you call it, or parachute. It was fantastic. I thought, you know, it was so peaceful up there. It was, you know, beautiful. It was a beautiful day. Um, I would say it was a quite a humid day on Castaway, um, but it was really nice being up there. And of course, you have a cool breeze. And uh, Captain Terrence did dip us into the water a little bit. So we got cooled, ch chilled off a little bit before returning uh, back to the boat. Really fun experience. And then we headed uh, out to Family Beach, too, because we did have a cabana, actually two cabanas for the larger party that we were with. So we spent the day on Castaway, got, of course, a ton of relaxing swimming in it was uh, a very, I'll call it a very low-key day. Um, Castaway uh, should be, be that kind of day. I don't, I don't think you need to run around and do all of the things that are available to do on Castaway in order to have a fabulous time. So things like, you know, I didn't do bicycling. I was fine with that. I didn't do snorkeling. I was fine with that. I didn't do stingray excursion. I was fine with that. There is, of course, the Castaway Key 5K um, and Willie and Rebecca, I have to give them a lot of props because they did the 5K despite the heat and humidity. Now, to be fair, they do live in Orlando where it already is as hot as the face of the sun. But I imagine that it was hotter here than what they're usually used to. How was doing that run, Becca? So the biggest issue is when we're running in Orlando, we like to run between the hours of 7 and 8 p.m., which is post-humidity, post-sun most of the time post rain. So a lot of the cooler weather comes in at that time. But on Castaway Key, where the sun never sleeps and you're running between the hours of 9 and 10 a.m., I've never been, I don't know how to say this without sounding inappropriate, wetter in my life. Most from sweat, most from the shower. Willie says that his sweat was sweating. It was that hot, that humid. The key, if you're going to do the Castaway Key 5K anytime during the months of January through December is to go slow, take it easy, and enjoy the views and the wonderful sounds of Castaway while you're there. It is not about pace. It is not about time. It is solely for the experience of running in an area where you get to see lizards the size of your legs and hear the birds chirping the entire way. So an amazing experience nonetheless, but I don't think I will ever experience a hotter, more humid 
environment than running on Castaway Key. Moving on, we got back onto the ship, I would say around, I don't know, about maybe 3, 3.30. Uh, Brian, Nathan, and I uh, got changed, you know, showered and dressed because we were headed to the concierge lounge for a special uh, character meet and greet. For those who have sailed concierge pre-pandemic, you are probably aware of this benefit. Um, and for those who have sailed post-pandemic, you may or may not be. Uh, but the concierge lounge has brought back a character meet and greet. It's one per sailing, and it's generally a Fab Five character, but they don't know who's going to come before they come. So they tell you in the app, you get a message. Usually the day of the, that morning, they tell you, okay, at, at such and such time, a character meet and greet will occur in the concierge lounge. You know, Be there if you want to come and take pictures and meet the character. They do not have a photo pass photographer, so you do need to bring your own device to take pictures, but you can get some great pictures with the character in the concierge lounge if you're sailing concierge. And of course, that evening was an enchanting experience that I have to mention. Uh, before dinner, we went to the Rose Bar for some drinks, and then we went to Enchante. Brian and I and Michael have all been to Enchante before. Michael actually did brunch with us on the, I believe it was the Maiden. And Brian and I have done both brunch and dinner at Enchante previously. But we had some uh, Enchante virgins with us, Willie and Rebecca. To be perfectly honest, I was a little bit nervous, worried um, that they were going to hate the experience. Rebecca's not the the most adventurous eater. Willie is more adventurous than Rebecca, but also not as adventurous as you know Brian is or as Michael is, or probably not even as adventurous as I am. But it was really fun to watch them try this experience. We ended up all doing the collection except Rebecca who did the passion. So the passion is a five course tasting menu where they tell you everything you're going to have and where they were able to make some substitutions for her with a couple of dishes that she would not have eaten. Um, and then with the collection, that was a nine course tasting menu where you just kind of fully give yourself over to the, to the chef. And the one thing I will point out is that they did tell us, and this is, I think, what convinced Willie to do the collection, that if there's something you don't like, just to be honest, let them know and they will replace the dish. They will get you a different dish. And they ended up doing that for dessert. I just want to echo Sam here. I was beyond nervous that <laughs> Willie and Rebecca were going to not enjoy this experience and hate us for all eternity for the amount of money they dropped on a dinner that they didn't like. So I want to pass the mic over to them, though, because I want to hear about their take on the experience. Uh, so let me pass it over to Willie first. Yeah. So I can't start without first thanking my beautiful wife willingly doing this experience. When we booked the back-to-back -back cruises for the honeymoon, one of the things I expressed to her was that I would like to finally experience Enchante and that fine dining that, that Disney provides because we had never done it. We had only up until this point done Paulo brunch. So committed to it, uh, knowing that she's not the most adventurous eater. She was a total team player about it and said we would do it. And I do not regret doing it. I had a fabulous time. It was adventurous. There were things that I would say I probably wouldn't eat it again, but I was not upset that I tried them. I'm glad I tried them. So now that I know, and then there were some dishes that were just out of this world good. And there were also a couple of times where we told our server that we didn't quite like something and it was replaced with something else. And that made the experience great because they, like Sam had said, they were upfront about it at the beginning that if there was a dish we didn't like, we could either express that ahead of time or if even after they brought it, we didn't like it they would replace it 
And that that kind of was the what I call safety net I needed to go all in on the the collection menu because I thought I was going in to do the passion, which seemed like the reasonable safe choice. Once we got that that information from our server, I was comfortable doing the full collection and do not regret it. Had a blast, really enjoyed it. Phenomenal experience. I don't know if Sam or Brian sh- shared this, but when we first sat down, we had a six o'clock reservation. You're in that time where you're approaching the golden hour and we're in the private room and the ship is overlooking the ocean and you just have some exquisite views. Only adds to that atmosphere. Brian and Sam explained to us the whole concept of a three-star Michelin chef and one of them is atmosphere and ambiance and you know the music, the room, and then the view of the ocean that we had with about two hours, two and a half hours of daylight to, to truly appreciate it was, was just phenomenal. We also had a, a sommelier who did some great wine suggestions and great wine pairings. And, you know, even if you're not the most adventurous eater, I would definitely recommend you at least try this once. Um, yes, it comes with a big price tag, but, but it was still fun. And I think Rebecca and I concluded that we did have a great time. We did enjoy it, but that we probably wouldn't do it alone. And so the next time we do it, it would probably be with, you know, either our family or our friends once again. But all in all, definitely a recommend if if you've been considering it or been on the fence about it, you know, just jump in and, and, and give it a try. It's 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 a great experience at the end of it. So I'm not unpicky, but I definitely have things that I will never eat, including tomatoes. And if you've ever heard anything about Enchante, the first course of either the passion or the collection is a truthfully four course tomato where they take every aspect of it and accentuate it in some way. So they had a tomato pie that was just a tomato flattened and shaped accompanied by a tomato soup that was thinned out with water. And then in a glass, (laughs) in a glass, they basically opened a tomato and then took the air of the tomato and put it inside a wine glass with celery and other vegetables with ice cubes that were made of the same water but frozen, which Sam has probably said before is her favorite part of the whole thing. And I can never, I will literally never imagine drinking vegetables. I have a very famous saying that says a lot of chefs like to ruin foods or plates with vegetables. So you will never catch me eating that. However, They were very accommodating and made me this wonderful gnocchi and a wonderful ravioli in place of the two plates that I would never even put close to my mouth. So I had a honestly mediocre experience, um, but I am still happy that we did it and thankful that I have a wonderful husband who understands that this is not something I will do on every cruise, but for a special occasion such as our honeymoon, it was well worth it. I just want to say that Rebecca's descriptions of that tomato pie, 100% incorrect. She didn't even taste that dish. So please, if you're listening, do not actually um, take that description because it was completely 100% wrong. Dear Chef Arnaud, we love you. You make amazing food. You did not put the air of a tomato in a glass. It was amazing. You know what? It was Michael's first time experiencing Enchante dinner as well. And I wanted to give him a chance to talk about his experience and what he thought about it. I had two favorite dishes from this and one of them happened to be the tomato dish. (laughs) So yeah, Rebecca's explanation and description was, was not accurate, but other than it being four courses in, in the tomato dish, there were 
tomatoes prepared for four different ways. I love tomatoes and, and every aspect of that was, was great. And, and I, I'm with Sam. One of the best things we had all night was the tomato water. And, and yeah, it does have other vegetables in it, but I'm, I'm a vegetable eater. So I, I enjoyed that. The, the other for me was there was a turbot dish, um, which is a, a fish dish. That was probably overall my favorite if I if I truly had to choose between the two. Other than that, the 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 flavors were all very good. There's there's a lot of play with with textures uh, from from foams to to adding crunch, having biscuits to to put in different broths to to kind of change things. So uh, again, a shout out to the service team who described things. Uh, not not only the food itself, but but how to go about eating it and and what that changes so as you're adding things to it or combining it at the table what what that does and why that makes it more more enjoyable and as rebecca mentioned we did have the private room at enchante for the five of us enchante's private room is smaller than paulo's it probably fits it might fit eight people i know it fits six people we were a party of five and we did make the request for the private room so same as the Apollo room, you can request the private room if you've got a larger party. Um, it's not something they will automatically give you without making that request. That night, I headed back to the room because it was quite late by the time we got out. It's kind of a it's a long meal. I mean, I think in the end, it was maybe four hours or so that we were there from start to finish. We're talking, as we said, nine courses and the dessert course is really like three courses within itself as well. Um, we also had our 25th anniversary gifts in the room that night, which was the framed uh, poster. But Rebecca and uh, and Tracy headed to do some karaoke, crazy karaoke, which is the adult only karaoke for the last night of the cruise. Um, and I mean, Rebecca killed some, uh, this girl is on fire and Tracy killed some before he cheats. I mean, just fantastic. Would you like a chance to sail with the DCL duo? Well, we have an opportunity for you. That's right. Next June is going to be our first ever inaugural DCL duo podcast cruise. And we have a fun lineup of stuff on its way for that sailing. We're going to be on the magic for a three night Bahamian sailing out of Fort Lauderdale on June 19th next year, 2024, with a stop at Lighthouse Point, one of the first sailings to go to Lighthouse Point. We are so excited to welcome all of you you, our listeners and fans out there to join us on this sailing. We've got some special things we want to do, including potentially an onboard recording of the podcast, which will just be so much fun. If you are interested in sailing with us, we would love to meet you. We always love to meet and interact with our listeners. So if you're interested, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo. That's mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo. Let them know you're interested in this sailing. We have a room block reserved, which means you've got opening day pricing locked in for some of our remaining rooms. So head over there, check it out. We'd love to see you on board with that. Thanks to My Path Unwinding Travel for sponsoring the show. And now back to the episode. Of course, the very next morning was debarkation day because that's only a three night cruise. But the great part for us was it was debarkation and embarkation day. So we all had to get off the ship. Um, we got off, I want to say maybe 9, 9.45-ish hung out in the terminal. They let us back into the terminal immediately. We did have to exit the terminal fully and come back through security, but it was kind of a quick turnaround. And then we 
sat in the terminal for a little bit. And of course, we reboarded the ship before new passengers at around 11. There was nobody announcing names in the Grand Hall yet. And so I took the liberty of announcing us all into the ship so that we would have that experience. And then uh, myself and Nathan headed to a sit-down concierge lunch as Nathan was asking me for sit-down lunch. The rest of the party headed up to the adult pool deck for some more relaxation time. I just want to say one quick thing about the disembark, reembark process, which is it was the smoothest I've seen it on Disney Cruise Line. I just want to echo that. Like we were led through the terminal. We were put through check-in. We were brought back on board. We waited a very short amount of time in the terminal. The last time we did a back-to-back, which was in April, we had to sit outside the terminal for like an hour. It wasn't as hot in April, but still warm, uh, waiting for the terminal to open for us to come back in. So I thought Disney handled this much better than they had before. We disembarked that day in our swimwear because we were going to do an adult pool takeover. And so... Willie, Rebecca, Michael, Tracy, and I headed straight to the adult pool. Sam hung back with Nathan to get him settled into the kids' pool and maybe do a little... I know they did some aqueduct rides and I'll let Sam talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, But we decided to do an adult pool takeover. And wouldn't you know it, we got up to the adult pool and they were having their bartenders meeting and we crashed that thing and got right in the pool. Rope was down. The guy came, took the rope down. We were in the pool and I think their meeting wrapped up about 30 seconds later. Uh, And we had the pool to ourselves on embarkation day, I'd say for a good hour to 90 minutes at least. And then few people came, but nowhere near the crowds that we saw on the main voyage or have seen in the adult areas since. Tracy, adult pool takeover day. Where's that rate in terms of the cruise? Honestly, probably one of my favorite days along with Castaway Key. Um, It was amazing to get back on so early on the ship and to be able to get back there to that adult area. Um, The bars opened up about 11, I believe, or 1130 maybe. Uh, And so we were back there. There's a there's if you've not been on the wish before, there is a a bar back by the adult pool area. Um, So we ordered a round and we just sat in the pool and chatted it up for like Brian said, an hour to an hour and a half before really anybody else came back there. And a lot of people walked through the area, but they were just getting on the ship so they didn't have their luggage or they didn't have their swimsuits on. So we really did take it over and had a great time. And then after we got um, a little hungry, we headed down to everyone's favorite, Donald's Cantina or the barbecue, depending on which you prefer. Um, We just, I know Michael and I especially really like Donald's Cantina. You can get a burrito, you can get tacos, you can get a bowl, however you want it made. I'm pretty picky as you may or may not already know. And so I can get exactly what I want in the bowl. And uh, so we grabbed some lunch and got back in the pool. And it was it was almost as good as a castaway key day. So after Nathan and I had lunch, we met up with the rest of the group for a little bit. And then um, Nathan hit the kids club pretty hard that day and made a friend. Brian and I started the Uncharted Adventure which is the interactive augmented reality game on board the ship. Brian had much more success this time around. For those of you who listened to our episode back in April when we sailed on The Wish, Brian's app would not work with the game at whatsoever. It kind of glitched out at one point. Interestingly enough, during uh, the game this time around, my app actually glitched out in the middle and I was unable to kind of finish the rest of the quest. But because I had previously finished them on April, my activity already showed that I had completed them. So So we're going to hit the finale of the Uncharted Adventure tonight, which is at 5.15. They do kind of a finale show in Luna, which is quite fun. We talked about that again on our April April show. 
Nathan also found his very first duck of the cruise on board. For those who don't know, people hide rubber ducks around cruise ships. It started on another cruise line. I don't know if it started on Royal, but I know it's quite big on Royal. And it has spread to Disney Cruise Line. So people go around hiding ducks and finding ducks on board. Brian and I finally got to hit up Hyperspace Lounge as well on this second sailing. We didn't go in at all in the first sailing. And I thought it was worthwhile for us to talk about it just a little bit because we had just been on the Galactic Star Cruiser and I would compare the hyperspace lounge to the sublight lounge on the Star Cruiser. And and a few people have asked like, which is better? You know, what's your review between the two? I'm going to let Brian talk about this, but I'm just going to give you my vote and say the sublight lounge on the Galactic Star Cruiser is better than hyperspace lounge on the Wish. I agree. And I don't think I need to add anything else. I mean, it was uh, the the hyperspace lounge for me has been a complete disappointment from the day that it opened. Um, I, I just I don't think it has enough Star Wars touches to it. I don't think it has enough Easter eggs to it. The cast doesn't have a backstory. The drinks don't have a backstory to them. It's really just a bar that has a screen that simulates going through hyperspace. I would say today it's even worse. It used to be that you would walk down this hallway and you'd press a button and a door would whoosh open and you'd be in the bar. And they've just permanently opened the door now so that you can't even open or close it uh, to get in and out of the bar. The, the drinks, they have completely revamped as well. And look, I will say the drinks I've had are delicious. Um, but again, it doesn't come with any sort of backstory that ties it into Star Wars, whereas Sublight Lounge, the bartenders had home planets that they were from, backstories, the drinks had backstories, they had excellent food, they had affordable kind of fun gimmicky drinks uh, in Sublight Lounge. So I think we had an Instagram up of us drinking. I forget the name of it now, but it was like this fun drink they brought out and they played music and the whole bar would clap. And I mean, that, that's just fun. The closest you get on the Disney Cruise Line ship is the $5,000 Kyber Crystal drink that I'm never going to buy. And I think they have like a lesser version of it, but it doesn't come with any real fanfare as far as I can tell. So the lounge has been, it was, it was quite busy at one point on our first sailing. It has been overall far less busy on this sailing from what I can tell. And so I, I don't know. I think that that venue needs an update. And I really hope maybe since they're decommissioning the Star Cruiser, they can rip out some of the decor in there and bring it onto the cruise line because it, it desperately needs more touches of Star Wars, in my opinion. Uh, but Tracy and Michael and Willie and Rebecca did the sail away party after muster drill. Uh, how was the sail away party? I don't think we did it on the first cruise either. And I don't know if you did, but how was the sail away party, Michael? First, just before the sail away party, we, we had been at the safety drills and had departed that. We, we headed up and waited a, a few minutes and then they opened the, the aqua mouse back up. So we ended up waiting and waiting in line for that. And then coming through the gate right into where Willie had saved us some seats for the, the sail away party. So we were, were watching it from, from the upper deck straight on great view of the stage and, and the deck. They really do, do a good job on this one. The, the music's good. The the entertainment staff comes out and and really gets the the crowd into it. And then then of course the characters come out and and again all together they they do a wonderful job. For this one, they did um, have their 25th anniversary kind of close on, and um, it was the Fab Five, and then it was also surprisingly um, that some of the princesses came out as well. There were five princesses as well, uh, including Rebecca's favorite from Tangled. Uh, so she was pretty excited, and you may see uh, a video of that 
um, on social media as well, because we did get a good video of her getting very excited about that. But the fairy godmother also made an appearance. Um, and it was just it was a really it's a really great way to start off your cruise if you are um, if you haven't been on cruise before or if you just want to be out and about for the day, you get to see a lot of the people who are on the cruise ship dancing, happy. The kids are, you know, going crazy because the Fab Five and the princesses are there. So it was a really it was a really good show. I certainly enjoyed this one a lot. All right. So after Sail Away Party, we did all meet back up at some point in the evening around uh, six or so to do some general knowledge trivia in the Keg and Compass, the pub on board. And uh, I got to give a big shout out to the Keg and Compass Small Bites food. I, I know people were really upset that they were charging for snacks uh, in Keg and Compass, but I got to tell you what they are delicious we've had the chicken wings a couple times on the sailing really really good we've had the loaded potato puffs which p.s are just tater tots um but they're also delicious and of course we had the gigantic pretzel at one point which was fabulous and just a great spot to get a, a unique beer on board as well if you're a beer drinker uh so did a little general knowledge trivia we did not win that round but that's okay because uh Spoiler alert, we did win a couple of trivias on board and uh, also came close twice and lost to tiebreakers. So a uh, fabulous job by this uh, amazing crew of folks on trivia. So we had dinner that evening in uh, 1923 once again. Um, I, I, once again, highlights were the burrata appetizer and the filet mignon. Uh, Nathan was practically falling asleep in his chair at dinner. And so we, Brian and I headed back to the room. I believe that our friends hit up a couple of the bars before they headed in for the night as well. So that brings us to our first sea day. Brian and I got to experience a new, I'll call it a new treatment. It's been on board the Disney Wish now, I think, for a while. But a couple of times previously, we tried to um, get this treatment and the bed was not working. And so this time around, we finally did. It was called the Zero Gravity Float on Air something or other. What it is is a, a, essentially a couple's experience where you go into a private room, you get a foot soak and foot exfoliation and rub. You then get some time in a hot tub in the room and you then get on a massage table for a 50 minute massage. And then following that, you get tea when you, and fruit to have. So it's all in all, it's a two hour experience. We did it the morning of our sea day. I, I thought it was fabulous. The bed is a little bit strange in the sense that the bed moves. So that's why they call it zero gravity. So the bed tilts to where you're at an angle. So when you're face down, they will tilt you so that your head is, you know, sort of partially up at an angle and your legs are, you know, down at an angle. And then they tilt you the other way so that your head is down and then your legs are up. And then when you flip over, they put you in sort of a, a seated position. Like if you think of like a Tempur-Pedic bed, when you're face up, you're in sort of that position. I thought it was a really fun experience. The massage was great. I liked it, I would say, probably as much as my hot stone massage I had had on the first cruise. But I thought the gravity bed at one point, it was just when my head was up and I was at an angle, I just kind of felt like I was sliding down the table. And so my my neck or my chin was sort of pressing against the, the hole. So that was my only complaint, but I thought it was a, a really interesting experience. It's quite an expensive treatment. I think it was about $500 for the two of us. Um, but of course, each of you are having a, a massage and it's two hours. Ryan, what did you think of the experience? I thought the zero gravity massage was nice. I think I prefer it to the regular table because I have a lot of like sinus issues. And so when I'm doing a massage, 
probably about halfway through, I feel pretty congested. And this was nice because I could be at different angles, which seemed to help with that. It's an expensive massage. It doesn't come as just a massage. I should say that. It was like a couple's retreat and it was 500 bucks for the massage, regardless of whether you're going to be one person or two people. So I'd say if you're not a couple, it's absolutely not worth it. We did a 50 minute massage, but it was a two hour treatment. So it was like, you know, get into the room, do the consults, like have 20 minutes of alone time in the hot tub uh, and then do the massage and then get out for a tea service kind of thing. And I don't need to sit in a hot tub in the middle of a windowless room. I just thought that was weird. Uh, I think I was in there for like five minutes and then I'm like, I'm going to go sit over there and drink my coffee until they come back for the massage. And But the massage was nice. Uh, I appreciate the massage. I wish they would do it as just like maybe a 50 minute couples massage as opposed to having to have the two hour treatment in the room. So anyway. So following that and getting some lunch, we ended up spending our a good portion of our afternoon sitting on the concierge sun deck because the pool decks were super, super crowded. So that's the one negative of, I think, Fortnite on The Wish is you've got the one sea day, but that means everyone is on board. And so everyone is trying to enjoy the family pool deck and the adult pool deck. And so it's just, it's just, I don't know, chaos on the pool deck. So really the only way we could find sort of a quiet place to retreat to was on the concierge sun deck. So I completely blew past a very important part of our day because uh, this group won a little trivia. I think I hinted at that earlier in the show. It wasn't general knowledge trivia. It was Disney Cruise Line 25th anniversary trivia. And let me tell you, we took it by a mile. So uh, we were the team in the room that the trivia host was looking to to confirm the right answers before they were put up on the board because we knew them all. Sam knew a lot of... There were a lot of show tunes questions that Sam knew from her time watching shows on board the ship. So big shout out to Sam. I think I contributed like one or two right answers to the overall team experience. But it was a team effort. We won. We got our actually Disney Cruise Line medal winners medals, which were unexpected. These were not Minnie and Mickey. These were like a generic Disney Cruise Line winners medal. I like them a lot. We're happy to have one in our collection. The other thing we didn't talk about before dinner is that we did participate in the 25th anniversary party in the Grand Hall with... It's, it's kind of like the captain's reception on this cruise. So they were passing some free drinks throughout, beer, wine, a cocktail, and a non-alcoholic cocktail for those who didn't want to imbibe. Uh, the characters were out in full force in the atrium after a little dance show that they kind of did to come out. Uh, so we had Chip and Dale, Donald, Mickey, Minnie... Uh, Daisy, the the Fat Five. Yeah, Goofy and Pluto were out there too. And they were wearing their Shimmering Seas outfits, which were which are fabulous. I mean, they're fabulous outfits. It's always good to get a fun character picture. Uh, we stood in line for a couple pictures. I will say if you happen to be sailing on one of the remaining Shimmering Seas sailings, those character lines are long on board the Wish. Um, and so we only managed to get two photos with characters and there was no photo pass photographer available. They were just taking pictures with our personal cell phones. So I would say pick your favorite characters, get your photos, and then hope that they're back out and about in their Shimmering Seas outfits at a later point in your cruise. Uh, but we had a fabulous time in the atrium getting some photos pre-dinner. After our dinner in Worlds of Marvel, of course, we killed some time, probably with some drinks in a couple of venues. But the big event was the new Oogie Boogie Villains Dance Party or Bash, I forget how they're calling it, that was done in the Hero Zone. And I want to highlight a couple things out of this experience. First, I did phone a friend to ask, is this something that we should go see? Is it any good? Because it was an adult-only experience in the Hero Zone, 18+. plus. 
And uh, the response I got was, it's definitely worth seeing. It's only offered on the Wish, but have a few drinks on board before you head into the experience. And I would say that is good sage advice for anyone out there thinking about trying out this experience. It was really cool because we had an actual Oogie Boogie character in the Hero Zone. And so I want to just say that that was really neat to see. I don't think I've ever had an Oogie Boogie meet and greet. Now, he did make an appearance. There was a little bit of a show. There were some, I would call them almost character handlers that were also actors or entertainment staff kind of running around the hero zone. One of them came by me at one point in a very scary kind of way. And like, it was intentional. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's, that's really interesting. So it was, it was really cool from the standpoint of seeing Oogie Boogie and the experience. So th- the third thing I want to say is it just highlights for me how cool that Hero Zone is revamped because during the day we did basketball. I mentioned that we did chip at golf, uh, but it also turned into an adult venue for a dance party that night. And so I think that that multi-purpose space is something that Disney now seems to be embracing a little bit, going beyond just kind of the sports in there, the Jack-Jack diapers dash kind of events and into you know an adult dance party at night. Now, I will also say that space is big and it felt pretty cavernous with, in terms of the number of people who showed up to hang out with Oogie Boogie. Um, that said, Oogie Boogie did come out on the upper deck of the Hero Zone and the balcony to do his little show. But then he came down the stairs and he was in the dance party with all of us and got some great videos of Oogie Boogie boogieing. Um, <laughs> so it was a fabulous event, I think, from that standpoint. Tracy, what did you think of the Oogie Boogie villains bash? Well, speaking of phoning a friend, I literally said to Brian, who is Oogie Boogie? <laughs> Now, I really do love Disney. So please, again, don't hate on me. But I had no idea. And, he, and his response was, go ask Sam. So <laughs> I did get an update from Sam and, and Rebecca as to what the storyline was. Um, I thought the show was cute. I thought that the show was fun. I liked the music. They did like a little play sort of thing. And then Oogie Boogie came down. Just for the record... Oogie Boogie's got some dance moves and they did kind of one of those. If you've ever been to a wedding where they do the big circle and then people go in the middle of the circle, like that's what they were doing at this. And it was super fun. I mean, you didn't have to. They attempted to, they attempted very hard to get Brian to go to the middle of the circle and dance. Like there was some somebody that really wanted him to go dance and that was not happening. So you don't have to do it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, even though I didn't really understand or know the character, um, I did enjoy it a lot. I thought it was cute. I was with Brian and we were continually trying to to back further and further away from the center of that circle. Um, I, I will say we, we were slightly late to to the show. And as we were going in, everyone was coming out of another room and they said, yep, it's no problem. Go on in. Um, what we heard we missed was the summoning of oogie boogie so by the time we showed up went into the hero zone then he was already ready to come in so we we really can't speak to the the summoning portion of the show we heard from tracy and michael i wanted to hear from willie and rebecca their thoughts about the oogie boogie bash as an east coaster who predominantly visits walt disney world it was really cool to see oogie boogie himself live in person when we walked into the hero zone we walked in on the first level and Oogie Boogie was there to greet us on the second level. And so that kind of set the tone for what we thought would be a distance affair. Oogie Boogie would stay up there. We would, you know, kind of be at his big bash, dance around, uh, but he would not get any closer. And much to our surprise, it was really cool when the show kind of started and he made us look at the screen and, and the music started playing as we were kind of distracted by the screen that's in the hero zone. Oogie Boogie himself made his way down. And that was really cool because he literally walked and we 
basically all brush shoulders. He would dance with those who danced back with him. So that was a, a really cool experience to to kind of be up and close with the character. And, you know, most of those dance parties you see are, are, are mainly geared for the kids and, and you, they're usually kids events and the adults are kind of on the outside. But this was an 18 plus event uh, geared towards the adults and Oogie Boogie, you know, was in the crowd doing different dance battles with different guests that were in attendance. And so that was a really cool experience. I was the first one to dance battle Oogie Boogie. He and I decided to go head to head in a, a left and right jig. And then he swore off to me by telling me he was watching me by pointing at his eyes and then at my face. So I was terrified for the rest of the night. I do think that if this being 18 and up events, I would prefer it be a 21 and up event so they could have some free champagne or free villainous drinks or something of the other because there's nothing else that happens at this event. It's just Oogie for 15 minutes doing his boogie and then he decided to leave and we don't know if he ever came back because we also left. So it was fun, like everyone else I'm sure has said, but I don't think I will be attending it again if I'm ever on another Fortnite here on The Wish. And with that, we are now headed into day number three of this cruise, which was a Nassau day for us, aka a day at sea. And Master William and I, my new best friend, started the day off with a men's pro collagen shave in Hooks Barbary. Now, I have talked about this shave a ton on the show and how much I love it. I want Willie to share his experience from his first time doing the men's shave in the Barbary. I am not kidding. I am not embellishing. This was one of the best experiences I've ever had. This was a euphoric experience. I've done a couple different spa massages, one on the cruise ship, one at the Grand Floridian when that spa was was open before the pandemic. But I've never had the zen that I had on this shave. I went into it thinking that this was just a shave pampering of the face, a lot of products, a lot of different treatments to you know improve your skin and also clean up your lines and shave your, your face. But boy, was I wrong. There was so much more to it. There were scalp massages, even a neck massage. My particular barber uh, told me after the treatment that he noticed that there was a, a additional tension in my neck area and went ahead and, and worked on that area in addition to the scalp massage. Also, there was kind of some sort of semi-arm massage that went down all the way to your hands. Truly, what, I never fell asleep during the experience was so much peace, so much relaxation. The actual shave itself was great, and I did have something to compare it to because during Memorial Day weekend, as we were getting ready for the for the wedding in in, in August, I had wanted to try out a, a shaving place, and so I went to Art of Shaving in Disney Springs and got a, a shave there, and that was a great experience as well. But it kind of messed up my lines a bit, and so I was kind of against doing the doing a shave for the wedding. I, I just took care of it myself because I trusted myself not to mess up my lines, and so I went into this shave more as a uh, second chance and. Also, because this was a totally different company and going into the second leg of the honeymoon, I just wanted a fresh shave so I didn't have to do it myself. And they rocked it. They absolutely rocked it. This will be added to every one of my cruises potentially going forward. For all you men out there who shave often or just have to shave in general, I would recommend maybe starting your cruise with a, a fresh shave specifically at the spa and or barber at the Disney Wish. On the other cruise ships, it is at the spa, but on the Disney Wish, it is at Hooks Barbary. It's a great treatment real relaxing. You, you, you do you do leave there rejuvenated. And so I would recommend this to everyone and it'll definitely be on my must-dos going forward. Well, post-shave, we met up for a little breakfast because we put in a very special order the night before with our server for some 
Mickey Churro Waffles. And I need a review around the table. Thumbs up, thumbs down on the Mickey Churro Waffles. We're just going to pass the mic. Hot take. This is Sam. They were phenomenal. And I was a doubter from the start. I am not generally a super sweet food person. And I thought, oh, these are going to be gross. They're going to be way too sweet. They were delicious. But I did not put a single drop of syrup. They do not need it. I first have to say, I waited all day, shave day, and the next day, and nobody had shaved. I finally got a shave. I had to do it myself <laughs> in my stateroom. <laughs> so I finally got my shave. I wasn't pampered. I was voted out of the Barbary. But on the cheer waffles, that's probably one of the top two or three best things I've ever eaten on a Disney cruise. Hot take, 10 out of 10, highly recommend. Yeah, no. Um, I'm sorry. Rebecca here, if you couldn't tell. Not my favorite. It's I, I'm a texture eater, and there's something about the goop that is the waffle, but the crunch of the cinnamon and the sugar on the outside that just doesn't sit well in my mouth. So... For me, I have to give it like a three of 10 just because it's it's too much. It's just too much for me. Forgive her, everyone. Her take is on the equivalent of Josh Wilson's black truffle per set take. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you, you just can't you just can't help them get out of their own way and they just need to learn better. That being said, Mickey, I don't like waffles at all but I will devour a Mickey churro waffle, 11 out of 10 for the Mickey churro waffle. And quite honestly, since we've been talking to Chef Arnold on this podcast, I think I'm going to need him to, 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 to whip me up a Mickey churro waffle and see what talent he really does have in the Mickey churro waffle arena. I will give the Mickey churro waffle a 10 out of 10 and will highly recommend not eating one with syrup. Uh, I tried syrup on mine at first because I was like waffle equals syrup and that was a mistake. The waffle alone is plenty. All right. Well, later in the day, after some a pool time and I'm sure some other shenanigans that abounded, we ended up at Martini Tasting in Nightingales. I want to put a special shout out to Fred, the bartender in Nightingales on this cruise who led our Martini Tasting. He has been fantastic. I love the drink tastings that we have done with him. Uh, makes a fabulous old fashioned upon request. And so uh, thank you, Fred, for making this cruise so much fun. So we're going to do another hot take on martini tasting. We're going to start, we're going to counterclockwise this time. We're going to go with Willie first. Yeah. So it was a year ago on the maiden voyage here on The Wish that I tasted and tried my first martini. And then that became my drink of choice. I did enjoy learning about martinis and the history of martinis and what actually makes a martini. A lot of people think, and so did I, quite frankly, that it was a alcoholic drink with a base of vodka or gin, but that is actually not what makes a martini a martini. So the historic lessons were phenomenal and great to learn. Did enjoy it, but I will give it an eight out of 10. I think Brian might say this later on, but most of the martinis were all sweet martinis. There really wasn't even a, an original martini. And I feel like if you're going to learn the history of a drink, you should have its basic purest form and then build from there. So in the absence of that, you know, just traditional martini, I'm going to go ahead and give it an 8 out of 10, but still highly recommend. So this was the only second tasting that we've ever done. We did the martinis this four-night, mixology on the three-night, and of the two, I would probably prefer to go to mixology again. I did like more of the drinks in martini tasting. So that being said, 
they're not bad drinks. I'm a very sweet drinker. My favorite drink in the world is a lemon drop martini. So still an amazing experience. But for me, I liked being able to try the different liquors with mixers and martinis. The ones that we tasted really only had gin or vodka in them. And they were small. I didn't feel like we got full-size drinks in the martini tasting. And they didn't have the chocolate-covered pretzels this time. So that definitely skews my opinion a little bit, unfortunately. But overall score out of 10, I would say 6.5 out of 10 for me. This is Tracy. And I would say I would give it probably a 9.5 out of 10. I love all of the tastings that I've ever done, with the exception of cognac on any of the Disney ships. That one I just could not get behind. But I enjoy the education. I enjoy trying different things. And every time we've done, and we've done mixology multiple times, we've done martini tasting multiple times. Um, they always come up with a drink that I, I couldn't imagine. I, I really enjoy the classes and the martini tasting for me was great because they were all sweet and I do prefer a sweet, sweeter cocktail. So um, I'm going to give it a nine and a half out of 10. This is Michael and I'll agree with with Brian on giving the shout out to, to Fred. He was fabulous on on the knowledge and, and the drinks that he provided. I, I'm going to say I, I agree halfway with, with Willie that the drinks were a little on the sweet side. I found them more balanced, but they they weren't, as he said, the, the spirit forward drink. So it was for probably a more wide audience for the, the martini tasting, not not someone who's looking for the classic martini, not just the dirty martini with gin or, or vodka. So he was trying to balance that out so you didn't get that alcohol burn. Overall, I, uh, just for Fred alone, I'd give it an 8 out of 10. So while I agree that Fred was fantastic in the way that he explained everything, I was not a huge fan of the martinis in general, um, not just because they were sweet, which they were. Um, I actually tend to like sweeter uh, drinks in general. I just really didn't like most of the drinks um, with one exception, which was what we affectionately called chocolate milk at the end. But it was actually a tiramisu was the name of the cocktail, like the tiramisu dessert. And that one was delicious. I could have drank like, you know, three or four of those, but I just didn't really enjoy most of the other drinks. But I did enjoy the seminar. So I would I would probably give it, I don't know, maybe a seven out of 10 because you know, enjoying the seminar, but not enjoying the, the alcohol. Quite the hot takes here. Uh, I'm just going to give it uh, an 8 out of 10 for Fred alone. And I thought the drinks were fairly good. I agree. The chocolate milk was the star of the show. And so I hope that they find a way to keep making that one. It was delicious. Well, rounding out our Nassau day was a lovely Palo dinner, and we managed to secure the private dining room in Palo yet again uh, for a lovely dinner among friends. Sam, what did you think about Palo dinner? Well, as always, Palo dinner is fantastic. We ended up getting the Palo, the private Palo room again um, for dinner. We weren't expecting to be able to get it. We were originally going to be a party of six, and we hadn't requested the Palo room, so we just kind of assumed it was probably taken, and we went to the concierge lounge, Brian and I, and just asked, you know, if it's available, we'd love to have it, but we totally understand if it's not. Uh, we were, we eventually were told that it, it was already booked by a different party, but that they had not yet confirmed. And so that it was possible that we might get in. Um, we ended up inviting another couple who we met. Shout out to Sean and Bree Burns. 
um, who ended up joining us for dinner. We, we asked uh, at the concierge lounge if we would be able to add them onto our reservation and they said it wouldn't be a problem. So we had a party of eight and we did in fact get the private room. So sorry to that other party who didn't end up eating there, but we had a really nice time. We had even again as our server from Croatia, who was fantastic. We had a mixture of you know people ordering off the price fix menu versus ordering off the a la carte menu. And actually, we brought our own wine with us. They do charge a corkage fee for the wine, uh, $25 a bottle. Um, but it's totally reasonable considering if you're bringing your own wine that you know might be quite an expensive wine that you, know, you may have gotten for less money versus the wine on board. Although the wine on board, I would say, is pretty reasonable. But yeah, we had a lovely dinner, lots of souffles eaten in that Paolo uh, private room. I myself had an, the amaretto souffle. I think everybody else who ordered the souffle had the chocolate. Um, and Brian, of course, had the carrot cake, which I know is a favorite of his uh, in Palo. So it was kind of a late night for us in the in Palo because we didn't start there until 8 p.m. It happened to be pirate night and we were there until I would say about 11. And so we missed the pirate um, deck party and fireworks, which was fine because we had all seen it on the prior cruise. It is, of course, as I mentioned before, a great deck party and great fireworks show. On this sailing, uh, although it is a four-night sailing, we did not have the 25th anniversary of fireworks um, because of the order of the itinerary. So if you're sailing you know, on a four-night itinerary, you are not guaranteed to have the 25th anniversary fireworks. The three-night sailings do not have the 25th anniversary uh, fireworks either. And you will have gotten an email from Disney letting you know, essentially, they've prioritized doing pirate fireworks over the 25th anniversary fireworks because it is a longer fireworks show. And because uh, I think they know that there would be a lot of first time cruisers unhappy if they didn't get the full pirate night experience. So the following day was, of course, a Castaway Key day. We were lucky enough to secure a cabana once again. Uh, but before we headed to our cabana, we actually did parasailing once again. Um, this time, four out of the group of us did parasailing, myself and Brian and Tracy and Rebecca. And this was a little bit different from the first parasailing experience because instead of being side by side, we were essentially in tandem position. I was in the front, Brian was behind me, and that's how we were hooked into the parasail. And then when Rebecca and um, Tracy went, Rebecca was in the front and Tracy was behind her. We got some really beautiful views. It was a great day at Castaway. It was, of course, warm as it always is in August. It was humid as it always is in August, but not as humid as it had been just a few days prior. So we had a lovely day, um, spent you know a, a, most of our time in the water um, or in the cabana. And of course, ate at Cookies too, which, you know, the barbecue is is fine. Not the best barbecue in the world, but um, we uh, we did stay on the island to enjoy that. Brian did get our, um, our 25th anniversary speaker out and got some videos. So if you haven't seen that, it is on our Instagram reels. Um, but I'd love to hear from Rebecca how she enjoyed parasailing because this was her first time. Of course, as I mentioned earlier on the show, this would now be my second time parasailing. Um, and Tracy's done it before and Brian's done it before. But let's hear from Rebecca. So I am an incredible adrenaline junkie. I love to do all the rides that go upside down and turn around and splash you. Um, I went to Mexico for my bachelorette and rappelled upside down into a cave. So there's not many things that I won't say no to. Um, I was really excited to go into parasailing, but I had no previous experience. I had never done this before anywhere. So this is my first time parasailing, first time doing it on Castaway Key through Disney. 
people that we got to meet were incredible. Terrence, the captain, and Ronaldo, the, I guess, assistant to Terrence were wonderful, very explicit instructions. Can't really mess it up when you have the two of them together. I will say it's $130 and Tracy and myself were up in the air for maybe six minutes. So most of the time that you're there for that hour is watching other people parasail and sit in the boat, which if you just enjoy boat rides in general, is a very nice to feel the ocean breeze. You get to see the ship from really different angles, which you don't get um, anywhere else on Castaway Key. I would say just kind of go into it with the idea that it is more time watching other people do it and sitting in a boat rather than actually parasailing. I did feel safer up in the air, 700 feet away from the water than I did actually on the boat. And of course, I'm not talking about the wish. I'm talking about the little charter boat that they took us out there to actually do the parasailing. But wanted for first timers or anybody who's thinking about doing this to have just sort of an insider's perspective on that. Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, there were eight of us in the boat. So there were essentially four rounds of going up in the air and we only, you know, the whole thing is less than an hour, meaning, you know, you have to get into the boat. They have to give you sort of their safety instructions and all of that. You, you know, drive out into the further into the water. And then each time they have somebody coming up and down, it, it takes some time. So it is a short experience for the time that you're actually up in the air. So that brings us to the, the end of Castaway Key Day. Uh, when we got back on the ship, Brian and I and uh, went wanted to go to do the Uncharted Adventure finale. We had done this on, back in April. Um, it's a really fun finale show that happens in Luna. It was at 5.15 today. I don't know. It's just a really fun uh, thing where you, you're trying to help Mickey and Minnie re put back together this wishing star. And there's a villain who is trying to steal the wishing star and you help fight the villain by using your phone. It's an augmented reality game and everyone gets to participate in the finale. And then, of course, when we defeat the villain in the end, spoiler alert, Mickey and Minnie instead of just being on the screen, they actually show up in person. And then, of course, confetti cannons go off. So um, there's always confetti at the end of pretty much every show uh, on The Wish. Um, it's a really fun show. Yeah, I just want to say this is my first time playing Uncharted Adventures when it actually functioned on my phone. Uh, it was funny because Sam's phone was the one that worked last time and hers failed during the finale of Uncharted Adventures this time. It's pretty cool that it saves your progress throughout the game. You keep accruing points. I will be interested to see how they translate this over to the treasure. If there's like another game and you're accruing points or if it's another wishing star kind of story. Um, but overall, really fun experience when the devices are working. It does still seem to have some glitches. Uh, we experienced a lot of that when we were trying to play three players or more in a round. Uh, that was difficult. So anyway, uh, good game overall when it works. We had dinner in Arendelle this evening, same food, essentially the same show, although we realized that on our first cruise, we did not have several of the characters present. So Olaf was uh, indisposed. Anna did not make an appearance and Elsa only appeared briefly and we didn't get some of the songs or the end of dinner kind of frozen scene with Elsa. So uh, that did happen tonight. So not sure if somebody was sick or hurt or just otherwise unable to perform that evening, but definitely got an abbreviated version of the show on the first cruise and the full version on the second cruise. But other than that, nothing remarkable to report there. And honestly, I'm not sure that somebody who hasn't seen the show before would even notice that it was an abbreviated show because there's still 
it was still a, a, a good long show within Arendale. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up with basically two additional segments here. The first is our roving Broadway reporter segment. Sam, how are the shows? Inquiring minds want to know. The shows were excellent and much better than the ones I had seen in April. Now, they were the same shows, of course, although I actually did this time around skip. Um, I skipped The Little Mermaid, although Tracy did see it. So I'll let her chat about it just for a quick second. But Seize the Adventure was fantastic, as it always is. And Aladdin was much better this time than it had been in April. A better genie, better cast overall. And just, I don't know, it just went off better than it had previously. There was one, I think, technical glitch um, when the Cave of Wonder shows up, the screen sort of was delayed, but the actors rolled with it. And, you know, it was, I think, a very good show. The Genie was much better than the one that I saw. And that's really the most important part, I think, in Aladdin is if you've got a good Genie, it it really goes well. And if not, those jokes just fall flat. So um, Tracy, tell me, how was Little Mermaid? Well, I saw both The Little Mermaid and Aladdin uh, this trip. I'm generally an Aladdin fan, and I did enjoy the show very much, but I really enjoyed the Little Mermaid show. Uh, I obviously wasn't here in April, but the last time we were on The Wish was The Maiden. Um, Aladdin wasn't currently running at that time. It wasn't ready. Um, And I felt like the vocalists on this, the cast members who played Ursula, the cast member who played The Little Mermaid, was on point. I mean, they were just phenomenal. Um, their their vocals were on. Everything seemed to run smoothly for me for both shows that I saw. Um, there were I didn't see any technical glitches. Again, the, the uh, confetti cannons, you know, every time. But um, overall, I really felt like The Little Mermaid was very entertaining. And um, I really enjoyed especially Ariel's vocals. Um, she was just she was really on point. So shout out to the cast member who was Ariel because she was very good. All right. Last question of the show here. We were all on the maiden voyage together. Now we have all returned to the wish. This is the best comparison I can have because I always wondered, was the maiden voyage so much fun because of the people or the ship or both? And so now we've recreated the people. We've recreated the ship. A year later, Disney Wish, your hot take review, better, worse, same. It's not worse. (laughs) I'm gathering my thoughts. I'd say it was better. I'd say it was better. I think that the first time on it, I've said this since I got off of it, it's just too much ship for the itineraries it does. So having the full seven nights, I felt like we weren't as stressed or as rushed. I remember the maiden voyage. We were trying our best to get every single lounge and bar in into those five nights, Rebecca and I, and I'm sure the rest of the crew as well. Although Sam and Brian had an three extra nights on board. It just felt like a a stressful experience to try to get it all done. And that was with five nights. With seven nights now and having done a lot of the lounges, I was okay with how the days played out. I wasn't trying to necessarily accomplish anything in particular. And we just allowed the events and the flow of the cruise to to, to dictate what we did. And so so that was enjoyable. Also, I had spent eight nights on on the wish before ever getting into any of its pools and the last three nights was able to enjoy the pools or the last three days was i was able to enjoy the pools so did a few more things that i hadn't been able to do before so i would say it was better i definitely had a better experience on this back-to-back than i did the maiden voyage the wish is probably my third favorite ship behind the fantasy and dream Um, I do think that if this was the first ship that Disney had 
released in their fleet, we wouldn't be saying that there's too many things or too much to do because it would be the only thing that we know. I do feel like the classics have a lot of the same layouts, just with different themed places, which kind of helps returning cruisers if they're choosing to go on those ships, kind of understand where they are in retrospect to the ship. I think the biggest things that I've noticed since being here is that a lot of the places on this ship are not utilized to the full extent, or at least I don't think so. A lot of the tastings are done in Nightingales or the Rose. Um, Keg and Compass and Triton Lounge and Luna host a lot of trivias and the activities for the adults, but places like Hyperspace never gets used for anything else except for being a bar. So we literally never touched, well, most of us did not even touch Hyperspace or even honestly remember that it was there just because there was no real reason to go and there are much better bars on on board the ship. So I do think that the crowd definitely impacted much better this experience was. Um, for those who don't know, Florida starts school this week. They actually start tomorrow on debarkation day. Um, so I think that there were a lot less families, a lot, honestly, just a lot less people in general. Whereas on the maiden voyage, you had Mostly, well, everyone was platinum and everyone had been on more than 10 cruises at that point. Um, so they knew what they were doing and that triggered a lot of different feelings and vibes when we were on the maiden voyage versus now. So this was definitely a better experience. Overall, it was able to relax more in the pools and the adult areas, go to Cove, actually get to just kind of be present in the moment and not feel so rushed. Um, but I don't think it has anything to do with the ship necessarily and just that it's going to take some getting used to with the new layout and getting ready for the treasure. We've got to just be ready for it. So definitely the people here sitting at this table in front of me at Keg and Compass that made this experience much better than any other cruise that I've been on. Aww. Um, I'm going to like maybe dig a little bit deeper as far as um, the things that I've noticed. Uh, obviously, on the maiden voyage, it was more adults, um, less kids, more people who were platinum. Um, had a lot of cruises. It was harder to get on the maiden voyage. So there was a lot more of that. This time, it seems more of those uh, three and four day family cruisers who may be taking their first Disney cruise. Uh, so we had uh, a lot less crowds in the places that we as adults wanted to to go to. I will say that I feel like everything ran much smoother as far as dining, as far as bar space, as far as shows, as far as the trivia and the cast members and just everything being where it's supposed to be, when it's supposed to be there and how it's supposed to be done. So that was definitely better. My big my big takeaway from this is they fixed, spoiler alert, they fixed the elevator buttons. Um, if you go back to our maiden voyage um, show, we talked about the fact that the, the elevator buttons were like post-COVID they didn't want you to have to touch it. You kind of got close to it and it would pick it. Well, what happened was people would lean their back up against it and turn on all the buttons so that the elevator stopped on every floor, regardless of whether it needed to or not. They have removed those and replaced them with actual buttons. Bravo, Disney, for getting on that because that was really not cool at all. But I would say for me, the less crowded ship, the more families, less adults in the adult spaces definitely um, made it a much more enjoyable uh, cruise for myself. And um, yeah, the the uh, crew here that we have assembled for this trip made it the best trip ever. 
I'll start by agreeing with with what everyone's really said. No, overall, I'd say this this was better. I mean, the the people were the same. The crew is is fabulous. Right now, as we're sitting here doing this, we're watching Slam Ball. I have watched some of the Little League World Series and Little League Softball World Series, and and that's something we couldn't do last year. They they didn't have the feed satellite feed working to to watch sporting events or or other things and a lot of other other things around the ship were working they definitely seem to to be now at least for the most part i mean there's there's going to be a glitch every now and then but for for the most part everything's up and running the the crew is is doing a fabulous job they they know their ways around as well so that's that's great and and you can also tell the passengers are are more balanced more more of the areas of the ship are are used nothing seems overcrowded nothing seems completely empty although it approaching midnight tonight keg and compass as us and two other people um so but that's typical of wine winding down but the, and a couple of things we got to experience this time that we we didn't have before in the seven days we we did a palo brunch we did palo dinner we did enchante dinner and those are things a year ago on the maiden voyage we couldn't do no, none of us could could get those well most of us couldn't get those reservations to to do those things and on castaway had the the cabana so uh, again something we we couldn't do last year so oh, overall i'm finding it a, a much better experience thanks for that passive aggressive dig on us michael <laughs> anyway no i have to agree uh really with what michael just said i think the the ship and the crew have really hit their stride um, in the sense that like everybody knows what they're doing and everything's working pretty smoothly with the exception of Uncharted Adventure. That is still, in my opinion, just a, a, a kind of a cluster because it, it, when it works, it's really, really fun and really, really good. But when it doesn't work, which it stopped working for me about partway through the adventure on this sailing and then I couldn't do the finale at all. My app wasn't working whatsoever. It's just really, really frustrating. But I will say it wasn't at all working on the maiden voyage. It didn't exist as I mean, the screens were up, but the game was not running whatsoever. Um, So certainly that's a huge improvement. It's actually running now for the most part fully. Um, But yeah, I think actually the, the biggest thing for me on this trip has been the crew. I think we've had such fabulous crew. You know, we have had great uh, dining staff in main dining, Amelia and Jose. Um, We had even in Paulo, we had Ryan and Dimitri in Enchante. At both Paulo and in Enchante, we had, um, you know, managers come over to us, check on us, uh, chat with us. With Chef Mateo come out and talk to us in Paulo both times. You know, so We've had just these touches. I mean, with the concierge staff um, that Brian and I have gotten to interact with, we've had uh, Mariana, Mariella, Rajo, Danny, and Blanca. And all of them have been really fabulous and really, you know, welcoming, as well as, of course, the bar staff. If I'm sure he's not listening to this show, but Francisco in the concierge lounge, you were awesome. 
uh, as well as the bar staff in the rows, the bar staff in um, the, the keg and compass that we're sitting in right here. I mean, they went above and beyond to find Michael both a 25th anniversary mug and a wish mug because the ship had been out of wish mugs and was short on 25th anniversary mugs, I believe, as well. And they, uh, they, Brian and Michael both got 25th anniversary mugs fairly easily, but they went and searched and found him and found Michael a wish mug as well. So just those little touches, you know, where people just go above and beyond in service um, is really fantastic, as well as the entertainment staff. They've been great. So all in all, I just have to say the wish has hit her stride. The cast has hit their stride. I still hate the itinerary of three and four night sailings, but definitely better. Well, I think Sam said everything I was going to say and what was supposed to be a quick hot take. So I'm going to boil it down to three things. Uh, I agree with Sam. The ship has hit its stride. I think the crew is fantastic on this ship. It's one of the best experiences with the crew that I've had on Disney in a little while. And they clearly know the ship, know the layout, know the how everything functions. So it's, it's just great to see the ship hitting its stride. So I'll also say... Yet again, I think what has made this sailing was the ability to sail with friends. Well, we had a good time. I think we had a markedly better time sailing with people that we enjoy sailing with and having dinner with and spending time with. And so cannot wait for this group of folks to get together once again in the future to sail together. Hopefully we can all make that happen. With that, we do want to get some hot takes from Nathan about the ship and we will bring him in to do that in just a second. All right, I've got Nathan here with me, and I want to talk to him about his favorite from this back-to-back Wish Cruise. Nathan, let's talk a little bit about the Kids Club. Tell me what kinds of things you got up to in the Kids Club that were fun on this cruise. Cake decorating in the Kids Club and crafting in the Kids Club. Okay, well, tell us about cake decorating. What was that? Because we haven't seen that before, at least not since the reopening from the pandemic. Tell me about the cake decorating. So... We would decorate cakes. Everyone, so we couldn't eat the cakes at the end because everyone was touching the fondant and stuff, but there was fondant, sprinkles, frosting, and of course the cake. And at the end, we got to eat cupcake. Cool. Did you all decorate the same cake or did you each have like your own cake to decorate? It was in teams. There would be groups of people at tables all decorating one cake. Was there any theme for the decorating or was it just whatever you wanted it to be? Donald. Or all the colors were based off Donald. And at the end, they said Donald was the champion. I do not agree with that. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Donald is number one, right? Or at least that's what he thinks. Tell me about crafting in the kids club. I know you like to craft in general. Were there organized crafting activities or were you just using the tools available and just crafting on your own? There were organized crafts available, but I didn't like all of them. So the crafts I made on my own that weren't organized crafts were I made an inflatable cube. I made, well, all of these are origami. I made an origami inflatable cube. I made around three origami frogs, and I made around three paper airplanes. And what about the organized crafts? What organized crafts that did you do? I made a paper butterfly. I made a paper lantern. And I'm trying to remember. I think there's one more. Uh, no, I just did those two. All right. Were those fun? The paper uh, butterfly and the paper lantern? Yes. Were they origami or were they something different? The paper butterfly was just cut out and you would decorate it. 
But the paper lantern, I have a paper lantern in my room. So what they do is I take a piece of paper and fold it and then make cuts into it from the area where it was folded. They just make like cut lines and then unfold it and wrap it around to make to make like a lantern. Tell me, did you play with any of the augmented reality games or video games that are in the kids club, like the roller coaster or the Marvel thing or anything else? I did the roller coaster one, although for some reason I couldn't unlock Space Mountain. And I told one of the people at the kids club and they said it was a glitch because you're only supposed to have to do two Matterhorns to unlock it. I had done over 10. All right. So what you're talking about is you can essentially design your own roller coaster and then virtually ride it. Is that correct? Yes. And the more you make, you'll unlock new themes. There's there's Big Thunder Mountain, Matterhorn and Space Mountain. Fantastic. So all famous Disney coasters. All right. Anything else at the kids club that you really enjoyed doing or think that people should know about? No. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Castaway Key. Any favorite activities from Castaway Key on either occasion that we got to visit Castaway Key? Snorkeling at the beach. What did you like about snorkeling? You you didn't go to the snorkeling cove, but we did have snorkels available because we did have a cabana, so we didn't have to pay extra for the snorkeling gear. What in particular did you like about snorkeling? Well, I also have something I didn't like about snorkeling, but I'll say that after I say stuff I like. So I got to see like minnows. I got to see like some minnows all around. I tried to catch some minnows, but they're very fast. You you did catch something though. What did you catch? I caught an eel and uh, and a hermit crab. I mean, you can catch a hermit crab very easily because they're very slow, but it's harder to catch like a moving eel. Well, technically... You caught it, but I held on to it. True. I was the one who caught it. It was like a tiny little eel. At first, we thought it was actually like a piece of grass, but then we saw it moving and it turned out it was a little tiny eel. I caught it in, in a bucket. Uh, what else did you want to say about snorkeling? One, you didn't catch it in a bucket. You caught it in a cup. True, technically. I Another thing I liked was like... Um, Willie, which was at Castaway Key with us, he was helping me catch fish. Like one time, like one time he spotted like a a blue fish with like a spiky nose, tried to catch it because they were very chill and slow and they were on the surface of the water, but they were very hard to spot. Yeah. So he was trying to help you, but you guys didn't catch one of those, correct? Yeah, they disappeared. What else did you want to tell us that you didn't like about snorkeling or about swimming at Castaway Key this time? There is one thing I have. It's a story called The Big Fishy. So I was snorkeling looking at uh, looking at the minnows because I knew I wouldn't be able to catch them. I had tried a lot. So I was snorkeling just looking at them and scaring them a bit. And then a giant group of, well, not a giant group, actually like a small group of these massive fish swam through going at the speed of like a car. And it kind of scared me because they came out of nowhere and scared away all the minnows. Yeah, I think it was feeding time for them. They were trying to eat those minnows, huh? Yeah, but also then like, then like two minutes later, 
they come back. Like after the minnows have already come back and stuff and they're just chilling, the big fish came come back swimming through and one of them hits into my foot. And at that point, I'm just like, you know what? I'm leaving. No more <laughs> snorkeling. I don't want more fish hitting into my feet. <laughs> All right. I do want to talk to you a little bit just about uh, the Marvel and the Arendelle shows because I know you've seen them both several times. I wanted to ask you about the repeatability of Marvel and Arendelle shows, meaning the main dining shows. You've seen them a couple of times. Do you like seeing them again? Are you like over it because you've seen them now a few times? How do you feel about them? All I can say is I don't really like the Arendelle show. Okay, how come? Just a... A bit too much princessy for me. Okay. What about the Marvel show? Do you still enjoy that one? I know it has some funny lines in it. Yes, but one of the only reasons is because of the funny lines. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen those shows, but I I think they're really fun. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is the Uncharted Adventure. We talked about this in our April show following a back-to-back cruise we did on The Wish, and we compared the Uncharted Adventure to the Midship Detective Agency, which is on the Fantasy and the Dream. And you and I talked about it again on The Wish this time, and you had some, you had a change of opinions. I think the last time you liked them kind of equally, but for different reasons. And I think this time you have a definitive winner between the Uncharted Adventure versus the Midship Detective Agency. And I thought our audience would be interested in what you had to say. The winner is Midship Detective. Uncharted Adventure 1, it takes way too long. It It can take usually up to three hours. Two... Uncharted Adventure just, it's way too glitchy. And three, the games in it can be very hard sometimes. But for Midship Detective, they're much easier. That is true. I would agree with you. Midship Detective Agency is one of the games that um, really you can do at almost any age and it's much simpler to to do. Um, the game Uncharted Adventure is a little bit more difficult with some of the games. And you're right, it is quite glitchy because this time I didn't even really get to play more than one or two games before my app just froze. And I didn't get to do the finale, even though I got to go watch the finale. I didn't get to participate in it. Okay, well, thanks so much, Nathan. Anything else you want to say about these two cruises? I know you had uh, one friend join you on the first cruise, and then you made a new friend on the second cruise. Do you want to give a shout out to Will and Ben? Yes. All right, shout out to Will. And shout out to Ben, the friends that Nathan, one, one he came with onto the first cruise and the second he made on the second cruise. So hope you're listening, Will and Ben, but Nathan had a great time hanging out with you. Thanks so much for being on the show, Nathan. I know everyone loves to hear from you. Bye. All right. And with those hot takes from Nathan, we are going to wrap up the show right here and just say, cannot wait to sail with this group again. We will see you next time. See you real soon. A big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all 
all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.